kicks us off and rolls us into another two-hour discussion here on Tuesday, Martis in Spanish, Mars Day, Tuesday the 6th of October, 2020, what, 29 days before the whatever the hell's going to happen on November the 4th, and it's Roger Sales, obviously, the Radio Ranch. I call our little get-together from many days ago, and uh, the People's Patriot Network, our venue. you got a nice board of folks here as we get started, and uh, welcome, everybody. Glad you're here. Lots of stuff going on. Um, I think maybe the first thing on the plate, well, first of all, the uh, Godspeed to President Trump, man. Gets that stuff in three days. He's back out on the street tormenting the enemies. you got to hand it to him. Uh, hey. The uh, One of the things I wanted to lead off with, someone sent me uh, the uh, one of the SGT reports as of late. Sean over there, I believe is his name. And uh, he's interviewing a guy that I've uh, Harley Schlanger. Y'all know who he is? Name rings a bell. Harvey Schlanger was the LaRoche Pack guy. Uh, LaRoche, you know about him, Cody? Lyndon LaRoche? No. Uh-uh. Uh, he's an interesting. Well, he, you know, with your let's get something done attitude, it's somebody you might ought to study a little bit. Lyndon LaRouche. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they threw him in federal okay. prison for a long time. And this is the remnants of his organization is this guy, uh, Harvey Schlanger. And that was called the LaRouche Pact, by the way. And he was confronting them. They've got some real good ideas on British Israelism and concentrate a lot on the monetary supply. But he was an interesting character, Lyndon LaRouche. Anyway, this fellow Harvey Schlanger is kind of spearheading his organization. He lives over in Europe, and uh, he gives real interesting insights. You'll see him pop up, interview around and around. X-22 uses him, and uh, here uh, yesterday, SGT Report had him on. But it wasn't just Harvey Schlanger. It was also a guy named Colonel Black. Do we know about him? Richard Black. I believe that was his name. You know about him a little bit, Chris? I do. He was the former chief judge advocate general yep. for the yep. Army. Harvey Schlinger uh, shows up fairly frequently over on RBM with John Stampmiller in particular, and he's a political commentator and uh, deep-dive guy like we are. Uh, Richard Black, because he was the chief judge advocate general for the Army, the head counsel for the Army, the HMFIC, if you will. Yes. Uh, I have to be a little cautious about him, but generally what he was saying was pretty good. Have, have you heard the interview I'm talking about? I think I may have seen that interview, but I don't recall it well, specifically. I'll, I'll flip it at the end of today's show description. I can drag it up here and give you the title of it if you're anxious to hear it. But, but he gave his background on this talk. He was originally a Marine, and he got wounded in Vietnam, and then he got back out, and he decided to go to law school, and he rejoined the Army and ended up the head uh, JAG, the head HMFIC, as uh, Chris alluded to. Of the army What's legal uh, head mofo in charge. 
left, okay? Okay. And you can liberally substitute there, all right? Uh, So uh, anyway, he was talking about in the interview was this uh, military plot that they're openly plotting behind the scenes to get Trump out of office if there's contestation on on the election. And he went into a lot of detail. I think this really solidified where he comes from, Chris, by one thing. So if you got any questions about Richard Black, this is one you ought to listen to. But he goes into the plotters. Uh, Mad Dog Mathis is one of them. He names the names. And then he said recently, two retired lieutenant colonels, and he named them. I, I, you know, I don't remember the names. Um, wrote a letter to the head of the Joint Chiefs laying this whole plan out. Is that there should be some people that this, that, and the other. And then papers that supported that position. First of all, the Joint Chiefs didn't publicly object or even object anybody's knowledge secondly uh they started floating papers along these lines in some of these trade journals you know military trade journals defense ops and whatever the hell their name you know the ones that are supported by raytheon and all the defense contractors right and and nobody's put a stop to it now uh, under the uh, the rules of military justice i believe he said it was section 88 any retired officer cannot speak publicly against the president. And it just reminded me of, hell, here we got Kamala Harris running who's not a natural-born citizen. Nobody's talking about it. We got an open coup being plotted against established laws in the military. Nobody's talking about it. I mean, it's just unbelievable. So I'll, I'll put that. It's a very interesting interview, and I'll stick it up at the end. In fact, while I'm yapping, I'll try and go over and get the title of it so I can give it to you here. Uh, I think Steeler's wheel said it clearly. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Well, that's what I keep telling y'all. Clowns to the left of me, commies to the right. Here you are, stuck in the middle with me. (laughs) Liberals, conservatives. Uh, Red Alert, Red Alert, Red Alert is the title of this. Uh, And it is Red Alert with a colon. And it says, this is the YouTube, the YouTube title. Uh, are the president's enemies preparing a coup? Question mark. So anyway, I'll stick the link at the end of the show description today. You can listen to it and if you want let and me, formulate uh, your own opinion. But I, I'll tell you what: when you got when you got retired people of his stature coming forward with this type of information, it's worth listening to. I, my father was a military career officer. Okay, Chris, what were you going to say? Well, you know, I've been following this stuff pretty deeply. I've had some pretty high-level friends along my thing. I had a, a Western Regional Director for the Secret Service named Bob Patty retired. That was he was a real honorable guy. Sorry about the dog in the background. Um, you, but you're not. We, being... we look at we look at guys like Paul A. Vallali, uh former Colonel uh, General, retired, still working as a special operations, special psychological operations. Uh, source for the military under contract along with Colonel Michael Aquino. Then you've got uh, General Jones of uh, Dine Corp and other places and uh, uh, there's also uh, um, uh, Boynkin uh, Trucker's Ride for the Constitution Association I think also a PSYOPs guy. There's all these psychopolitical warfare specialists in the military psyops units who have infiltrated down through the ranks 
throughout the government and different offices of government, and especially the FBI, the CIA, DNI, all these different places. And fortunately, they're putting some places, uh, I think it's fortunate, it's too soon to tell yet, Ratcliffe and Grinnell and some of these others that seem to be America lovers as opposed to America haters, like some of the aforementioned worms. The worms turning. You can see it and feel it with things like Ratcliffe and what's going on and the pressure that's being applied. You can just feel the worm turning, you know. <laughs> I like to think of uh, Poe's pit and the pendulum, the pendulum swinging. Yeah, it always does. Cody, you were going to say something? No, that was me. Oh, Robert. So, Robert, glad to have yeah. you along. We've been missing you, man. Welcome back. Thank you, Glad. Uh, thanks for having me. So let's go back to um, a sound money system. Ooh. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I've got, and, and no more discounting of notes. That would make it even more sound. I think I've got that somewhat understood, but the part I'm still scratching my head on is the back end of that where you say it has to be taxed out of the system. Oh, if now, you're talking about just if you're talking about a government-sponsored monetary system, well, what what do you want? Yeah. What do you want in life overall? Balance, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, taxing it out of circulation gives you the balance. In other words, we've got so many millions, and we're going to spend it in. Well, what's money really for? You know, let's go back to that discussion. It's okay. a me. It's nothing but a medium of exchange and a store of value. Okay. I mean, in the past, the uh, salt, tobacco leaves, seashells, all kinds of things have been used in in history as a medium of exchange, what we'd term money, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, what they've done is taken the real stuff, which people had come to trust over thousands of years, gold and silver and specie, and they substituted this debt instrument in the middle pulled off this scam and then we call it money well it's not money it's debt you know if you really want to get persnickety about this and get down to changing yourself you start going through and making all those changes every time you ever talk and the word money comes out substitute debt or currency okay i mean there there's your illusion and reality right there we call something that's debt something that's positive and uh, and protects value all right. But anyway, it's a medium of exchange. And so that's all it is, is that something that's agreed on between two parties to make an exchange. Don't forget, one of the things that separates us from every other animal on the face of the earth, Robert, besides us, you know, there's, there's a few, a few things. But one of them is we trade. No other animals trade. Hmm. Here's another interesting little, little tidbit on that. Humans are the only animal on the face of the earth where the female is the more attractive of the two species, of the two genders. Every other animal on the face of the earth, the male is the pretty one. Wow. Ever thought about that? No, I haven't. Okay, so anyway, this money stuff that we call money here that we're using that's really debt, that you're the collateral for, by the way, uh... If you had it government printed, instead of saying at the top Federal Reserve note, if it said at the top United States note, like got, they got John Kennedy killed, okay? If it said that at the top, it would still be government debt, but it's only a medium of exchange, and the government would ultimately owe the debt instead of the way they've got it rigged now. 
okay? But if the government had the power to print that and circulate it, then they'd do what FDR did in the 30s, which is all the public works projects and stuff that give you some kind of good structural foundation. People are at work, and money's going into the society, and it, it should help everybody all the way around, right? Yeah. Okay, and so we spend it into circulation on stuff like that, and then you tax out what you spend in, and then there's no excess for speculation. Now you can't have the Wall Street guys up there blowing all these bubbles and doing all this, uh, the leaven of the Pharisees, if you want to technically say exactly what it is up there that goes on, the leaven of the Pharisees. If you were on the show right before we kicked on, Jim Willie was talking about it. I was listening to a new Jim Willie interview. So there's none of that out there to play with. And you tax out what you spend in, and now you've got equilibrium in the monetary supply. There's enough out there to do commerce and for people to live and everything to operate, but there's not so much where these guys can come in and stick it up our barracks bag with all their tricks. Does that make sense? I think so. Balance is the key word. Well, yeah, I think balance is the key word in life, honestly, yeah. at this stage okay. is a conclusion I've come to. Okay. So the excess is what's killing us, what's hurting us. Well, the speculation, and of course, in the system now, the speculation that they're stealing, you're responsible for with compound interest attached. Mm. It's a slick little system. Uh, uh, these guys are so. It par is. Pardon me. Yeah, it really is. You know, I was talking to Harvey's not with us. He'll probably join us, maybe. But uh, as you know, Harvey's an old and a dear friend of mine. We've known each other almost thir three decades, and uh, he's finally glommed onto this, and he's, I think the election's what's got him motivated because he wants to go register to vote, but he doesn't want to go register to vote at, under his surf stuff. And so he's going to, he got an affidavit. Uh, he, he took the one that I read yesterday and briefed it up a little bit, ta tailored it to him, and typed it out. And this morning before the show, he was going to go to the registrar's office there in his county and get it registered and get it certified by the clerk and then try and carry it over to the election office and see how they'll allow him to register as a voter, elector, or uh, whatever grief they give him. So and it's like I was telling Harvey last night. You see, this is something we've talked about. It's a question. And now somebody's picking the ball and dribbling it, and we're going to press the envelope and find out some answers. Just like when Brian, Brian Howard went up to Utah and said, I want to get a non-resident state-issued driver's license. And after all that, whatever the heck he had to go through, we found out the definitive answer. They can't issue one to somebody that's not a resident, period. Mm -hmm. I had an but, interesting monetary thing occur yesterday that okay. I became aware of. Whip it on us, Chris. Well, there are a number of different, uh, let's call them debit card platforms out there. One that's received quite a bit of notoriety that I have some intimate uh, familiarity with is NetSpend. And yeah. it's a, you know, it's a basically a de debit card. You put money in and you pay out and so on and so forth. Well, my friend had been using his NetSpend card to complete acquisition transactions of XRP, Ripple, and perhaps some other uh, Bitcoin and so on and so forth, uh, cyber coins, virtual coins, uh, 
payment systems, if you will. And I've always counseled to be very cautious because, you know, only put your discretionary income that you can afford to lose in these things. And, and I still think that's wise counsel. But oh, huh. yesterday he, he got terminated for unacceptable user patterns. And we dissected this thing quite a bit as much as we could on that limited amount of information. He said they wouldn't give him any further information. And I have to discern from my experience of what's going on, this is FinCEN, and he's probably a targeted individual also, and because he's been acquiring some for other people that don't have the tech savvy to do so, it's had some... It uh, spiked his account. It spiked, his, it spiked yeah. his account. Right. And uh, his uh, income is moderate, except for people that work with him and have him do things for him and stuff and so they flagged his account and terminated it now he's seeking another provider of uh, debit transactions that's a little less susceptible to uh, FinCEN or FBI or uh, whoever in the world is policing the International Monetary Fund World Bank's interest uh, the Treasury uh, (laughs) for one of them I mean it's just this whole global oligarchy that has taken control of the whole thing is a bunch of gangster banksters and these people are absolutely scared crapless it's a messy area this cyber coin stuff let me reiterate any of you that have got any of the carrot bar coins either kbc or kcb as there were two I think they've been merged at this point. Anyway, if you've got carrot bar coins in any way or shape or form outside of your carrot bit exchange account, you've got to have them in there by October 15th, by the end of the 14th business day, or else you lose all the value in them. Okay. And this is such a muddy area, and I'm so aggravated at it personally because of the complexity, uh, for one thing. Um, you know, I'm a pretty bright guy. Hey, how you get in there and you can't even figure some of this stuff out when you spend an hour or more with it. I just get frustrated. I throw my hands up and walk away. Okay. And not, I'm only, you know, having to deal with all this technology on the network here and all the crap we've got to go through on some sort of a semi-regular, regular basis and all that. It just aggravates me. Now they've made Gmail so damn complex with so many add-ons and this and groups and this and social crap and all this stuff. It's just like nuts. Okay. But, um, the other aggravations, BitClub Network. Okay, BitClub Network, we promoted it around here for a long time. I've got a lot of my personal funds in there, and some of the other folks do too. And now the feds have grabbed those guys almost a year ago and been holding them for about 10 months now on one charge of wire fraud. One charge. They hadn't been able to bring any other charges or conjure up anything else in 10 months. And they're still holding them. They won't let them out of jail on the COVID stuff because they deem them a flight risk. And the IRS has got the hard drives of the company. They're going through there trying to find something, and they can't because they're a clean company. But they want this Bitcoin stuff off because they were conglomerated, one of the largest miners in the world. And continuing to grow. So hopefully, and I've said this, I'm optimistic. I try and be a glass half full kind of guy. And I think we'll get those BitClub Network contracts back. They were mining contracts. For those of you who might not know, it was a mining operation. And hopefully we will. 
Okay. But anyway, that, that's aggravated the pee waddling out of me. Uh, you know, it's just an area that they, they realize the potential of competition for them, and they're trying to do everything in the world they can to put obstacles in the way. You know, curiously on that particular line of thinking, Roger, I uh, was looking over a case pretty intently. The dog's on cue again. You don't have a SWAT uh, team out there. You don't have a SWAT team outside or anything, do you? No, well, I got a four-legged terrorist in there, and I wish I had a shock collar for him sometime, her. Uh, but anyway, I was looking at this case yesterday. Hold on a second. And uh, it was, it's U.S. versus Ali, A-L-I, Sater, S-A-D-E-R. There's some other names behind it, but it's 18CR224, A-J-N. That A-J-N, that's that Alice and Nathan, who was the judge that dressed down in the District of New York, uh, the attorneys and the DOJ for failure to comply with their Brady and Giglio and Pizarro discovery obligations, very similar to the situation I have here. In fact, yesterday I got a letter from the opposing counsel for the defense uh, claiming they want a 90-day extension to comply with their discovery obligations, and I had put in a letter uh, over last week for a request for a 26F meeting uh, pre-trial discovery meeting to clear up some significant shortcomings of discovery of the uh, defense's uh, firms that really had no first-party competency of the comp of the complexity of this thing. And after I'd put in my evidence, and and of course they're really trying to do every legal trick they can do to try to get out of this case because it is a real conspiracy vast uh special operation of magnumous proportions i'm going to use what chris just put out there for those of you who might be new to make a point here you need to listen because you do not want to be going through what chris has been going through that he just described a just a smidgen of for the last five plus years that i've known him you do not want it's been going on since 2012 you do not want your life in this condition now i promise you and i guarantee you chris will echo that okay because even in the rare a moment that someone might win and i hope you do chris i hope you pin their asses right back against the wall okay but in the rare event that that happens you don't really win because they've stolen the last eight years of your life. Well, that is true, but when you feel like you're directed on a path by higher powers well, that you're serving their interest and other people's interest too, if that's uh, what I have to do to get people uh, that way, I'm happy to do so. Well, I believe, but honestly, I've come to believe that God directs our paths, and I can look back over my path and see how he's prepared me through a lifetime to be able to do this right here and what we do. And I can see from Chris's background, knowing him as well as I do, that he was trained through his earlier life to be able to go in and fight this battle too the normal person could not do that would you agree with that chris absolutely they mean for you not to be able to defend oh, yourself that's what they absolutely. always tell you you need an attorney yeah i, I mean i'm just telling you because see the object is and here john's sending me this thing uh, you know the gal we talked about or jennifer hall or is her name or something that's jennifer daniels her uh i no no the gal that's going around the country for anavon rights is bunch okay 
uh, and uh, she's uh, doing a report from Nebraska, and she's going, I was in court yesterday observing for the second time. <laughs> second time she's been in court looking and she's trying to teach all these people all this stuff and go and i got to the point where she said i'm here helping a woman who was char they were trying to hit her for 475 dollars and she went in court as a natural woman and that's when i cut it off this morning uh listen you do not want to be in those arenas, and you don't have to be if, A, you've already got a clean slot and you're not in the molasses to tsunami yet, and they can't charge you. You won't be in there. And I promise you, if Chris would have had this done nine or ten years ago, he wouldn't have put the last eight years of his life into what he's been doing including getting thrown in the funny farm for 30 days against his will. And trying to do it a couple of times. <laughs> okay. So I, I want to use your situation, Chris, to make my point for everybody listening. You do not have to even take a risk of being in that position. Listen, get, get, get the information to learn to a point with yourself where you got confidence in it and yourself and take action and move forward. That's the way so we win. Roger, that's the reason I share the intimate details of this situation I've been drug into by others uh, and the prosecution teams and these uh, synagogue of Satan buddies around here. And if I can help others learn from my experience, not that that was why I went into this in the first place. Believe me, I, did, I was victimized. I was having coffee and cookies the morning, much like today. Uh, at my former location when I heard this noise out front and went out to see what was going on and lo and behold Osama bin Laden had moved into my house and I, they were surrounded by a gang <laughs> I remember listen you called in right the day that happened and told us the whole story we've been we've been absolutely tuned into this from the beginning you know, well, this I, is, I, I reiterate, we had a situation when Chris was in that funny farm for 30 days where he had a telephone and I don't, I could call in. I had the number and could call in if I remember right. And we that got, was Dave from Michigan that was three-waying us in. Well, we got Chris on fun. for two hours one day. And the yeah. last 15 or 20 minutes, he got somebody else on the air that was in there that they'd framed for murder of his girlfriend. And the next day, they kicked him out. <laughs> yeah, they were they were really happy to see me go. <laughs> so uh, it was uh, it was an amazing situation, but that really happened. Honest to goodness, somebody's got the tape Chris. some somewhere. What, Cody? Well, Chris, explain a little bit more for anybody new on there. You know, we, uh, why it happened. Just a quick little. No, no, you don't deal. want Cody. You don't want to get into all that. He had he had some of the local government stuck somebody that shouldn't have been in a guardian position that had the power to throw him in that place, and they did it. Well, maybe well, if uh, if there's a day you can't show up and aren't, we're going to run a rerun, maybe uh, you can set it up and Cody and I can get on here and I'll run over Cody, the story because it's pretty intriguing, Cody. I'll tell you, to be at the point of the spear of tyranny in America is not a place anybody wants to be. Cody, he could not explain it in two hours and you'd be left with your mind swimming at the end. Well, the long and short that he explained to me was they, they stole a vehicle and I couldn't remember if 
if that was the reason it started, but it was something it to do was with. It was not a vehicle. Rent. That's a technical word. They stole a 1957 Dodge D500 two-door hardtop, no post Hemi, of which they only built 671 in 1957. And is that how this all started, or was it something no, else, some other code? It, no, it, it appears. Before. It appears his girlfriend went to the FBI or something's how it started. Uh, well, no, I think they contacted her and brought her in and improperly influenced her, offered her a deal, terrorized her, bribed her, threatened to take the kids. I don't know what okay. yet, but I'm hoping to find so, that out. So you did you get on their bad side because of your appearances in the Las Vegas City Commission? Is that where they where you start where all, all this started, or it started at your house first? No, well, it's 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 convoluted. It, it appears that see, I've found references in the zoning stuff about whether they've taken my house or not, which is bizarro land to me. Uh, and whenever you understand that the zoning offices and all these agencies have a seat on the fusion centers of the joint terrorism and the counterterrorism task forces in the cities with the federal agents and uh, federal agencies and so on and so forth, this is the whole of government. This is what Sovietization is. It's where they unify all forces of the government as one overwhelming, powerful, behemoth force against people they want to destroy. No, no, against well, citizens and residents. As Peter from California always says, how can we expect to have any form of a representative democracy when the Federal Reserve can make whatever money it needs and buy whatever uh, you know agents of the state that it needs? Well, they're going to continue to do that check. as they're going to continue to do that as long as their fraudulent scheme is in place, where you're the collateral and they can do it at will. That's how long they're going to do it, or it crashes yeah. on its own, which it's well, doing. Think about. Which is doing now. Let me let me mention this. I can't remember if I mentioned it to you the other day, but you know, if you look at the Fourteenth Amendment, it doesn't have to be written that way. It does not have to be written just to get the black slaves out of slavery. They could have said, you know, all states Cody. have to give, Cody. you know, all people. So obviously, Cody. it was a plan. Cody, let me finish, Roger. No, it was obviously a plan. You know, it was. I've read recently it was written in the city of London. You think it's a plan? Right, but the point the point being is if we can get uh, you know people convinced that it needs to be changed, you know, with the, the <laughs> Cody, you go you to know. the head of the line of idealists. Well, the, what's the convention of states people? If they would get on it, you know, then there would be you know a chance that some of this might yeah, change. You but, know what, you, Cody? Know. You know what? If my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. <laughs> And if men had a little more balls in this country for the last hundred years, we might not have this problem. We've you know. been neutered. Or she might have been a tranny. Yeah, what was the thing I saw, the, the little meme? Uh, you know, the clocks go back this weekend. I'm going to set mine back to 70, 1775 when the women didn't have balls. <laughs> yeah, I see that's pretty good. <laughs> Jeez. Well, uh, let me let me poll to the rest of the folks that are with us. If anybody, uh, uh, Harv's with us. I see he's joined us. Elizabeth's with us. Anybody got any questions or comments or just want to say hello? Come out of your mute tomb and say hello? Guess not. Okay, we'll roll forward. Harvey, did you get that filed? 
I think he's. Hey, Roger. No, not yet. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to head down there after lunch. Okay. We'll be anxious to see what your results are. You know, Harvey and Brent and I all had a really good conversation post the show yesterday. It was quite educational, inspirational, enlightening, and then Harvey had to go on a trip. Not unusual. Hey, Roger, I have something. Okay, please. Step it forward. It's Bob in Colorado. Hey, Bob. I I got my uh, passport done Friday also. I guess Cody did, too. Uh, Well, I don't think he got his passport done Friday. That might have got done yesterday or today. We'll have to ask him. But mine's in, and I also sent another certified mail i sent the affidavit to the department of state also okay separate good can't hurt to double cover but this is really a caveat here if you're going to send the affidavit cold to the secretary of state address put attention administrative records department i did that okay did that i put a little note Good. in there very important to direct it you know we had somebody that sent the affidavit to the passport department cold and the passport department wrote him back a little note and says we don't file affidavits and he goes the state department won't follow this see how people listen see how people listen right anyway so next on my plate is that you know, I got a letter from the IRS saying they I owe them twenty four grand from uh, two thousand four, and you had said don't send them a copy of that affidavit until it's filed with the right. secretary. That, today. If you're getting that letter, that ain't going to help you that you filed it now, even though it's filed with the secretary of state because that's as spoke ex post facto. They already got you in that contract. Well, I never filed a tax return or anything like that so i don't know how they got me in a contract well i can tell you how they do it they send you a little letter that says we haven't received your tax returns. probably a few years back we haven't received your tax returns for the year 1920 whatever it is you mentioned and you not understanding it do what most patriots do is went and deposited in the round file and unfortunately unbeknownst to you that is a merchant law document called a confirmatory writing and it is a contract and unless you expressly deny it it's deemed accepted between merchants now they've got a contract at the front end even though you didn't file a 1040 form and obligate yourself and they'll go ahead and make an assessment on what you owe and then the fraud in the process they the computer is the IRS computer is programmed to work correctly. And part of the correct mechanism is it has to have one of those statute staple 1040 forms in there. And so the fraud occurs at the end when they use a push code called 09, push code 09, to go in and override the computer. And that is when they do what's called a substitute for return in the vernacular, our community calls it a dummy return. But then they put that into the process and restart the computer, and now it's got a return for you, and they go on to collections. That's what's happening. 
So I need to just write them and deny that I owe that. The way you could do that, it probably won't do any good. It depends on how much they want to come after you. It, I think it probably depends on what's out it, there easy they can grab. Yeah, there's nothing like that. Okay, well, then you're probably all right. Let them go beat go their ahead. head against the wall, you know. Unless they go after my Social Security uh, check. I don't know if they can do that or not. They may can garnish it, and I honestly don't know the answer to that. Well, I did read a, something online about that, and it said they can, for back taxes, they can take up to 15% of it. And then the other thing was child support. They can take up to 50% of your yeah. Social Security. Check well, those are the two things they can screw with your passport over, too, is child support and now uh, over 50000 in collections. And it has to be over that amount and in collections. But the, a couple of years ago, as this has taken effect over the last few years, I think I read that they uh, uh, canceled almost 300,000 people's passports that were outside the country. Now, those people, and I've talked to one of them here that was under that child support category. Well, now their passport, they can't. They, they go to the embassy, and the embassy won't issue them a passport except a one-way one. They'll issue you a one-way one, but they won't issue a general one. Yeah, they want their slaves to come back, don't they, Roger? Yeah, they sure do. I'll mention, let me mention this. Uh, by the way, while, while I've got this, because I want to mention it ties into what we just talked about. If you guys haven't heard, John McAfee was arrested in Spain with his personal bodyguard yesterday. And boy, they got him wrapped up tight. For what? Oh, five counts of failure to file all kinds of other charges. In Spain or in the United States? In the U.S., but they arrested him in Spain. They're going to extradite both of them. Oh, okay. The no, I was going to mention. I think I mentioned to you last night, Roger. Is if they charge you twenty, I think it's twenty six or twenty twenty three fifty or twenty six hundred and fifty dollars to renounce your citizenship. That right there, if you talk to people about this, that right there proves you're a slave. Because how can you charge a free person to give something back, give something away? I'm giving you something, but I'm going to charge you. I'm giving up my citizenship. I'm oh, but we're going to charge you for it. That's going to. That's insulting. We're going to charge you. To, we're going to charge you to take back our shackles. Yeah. Well, that shows you the state our government's in, though. I think they used to be four hundred dollars, and they just think they can. I didn't need that. I didn't. I didn't need that example to show me what state it's in. Well, it's something simple for people new to the movement. Say, you know, if you're if you're not property, how can they charge you to renounce your citizenship? Well, and for the audience, now the audience, this shows you a little more insight into these creeps and how they do things because the whole basis of what we're talking about, all of it really, but this particular one as well goes back to Vattel's law of nations, 1700s, all the nations in the world have signed on to it. And for the most part, they still adhere to it for the most part. And this is one of those little quirks where these guys still adhere to it but they kind of don't and that is in Vitell it says every man has the right of personal political self-determination in other words sh shouldn't you be able to have the right to decide what system's going to govern you I think it's a duty 
Well, it's a right, but I, I don't want to go to that one over there. I, you know, it's the way our country was set up. If one state was doing things real good and the other state wasn't, all the, most of the people from the state that wasn't had moved to the state that would. Same type of thing, okay? So every man has the right of personal political self-determination. Noodle on that for a second, you know? And so Roger. what they've done is they've hidden our right to repatriate to our original status, that's been hidden. But they've left open where we can control, because they control most of the countries in the world one way or another, we can trade one slave passport for another country's slave passport. So they still adhere to Vettel, don't they? On the passport application roger if i go do that today what do i got to be sure i don't make a mistake on? i'm gonna make some notes here i know you've mentioned it in the past well the passport application uh, is real simple okay i mean there's no outright trickery in the questions they're asking you at least with the exception of one two and that's what your parents were see they never ask you what you are do they if you'll look as you go through it and fill it out cody well, they, they never ask you what you are, but they ask okay. you what your parents were. Were your parents citizens of the United States, yes or no? How would you know? Well, you ought to know what your parents right. were, wouldn't you? Yeah. It'd be unsubstantiated so hearsay. So where That's right, but you see, the- but Chris, you're missing the point. It sets up the presumption. I agree with that. Okay unknowingly it sets up the presumption because you're presuming the system's what it is and if your parents were that status and that system dictates that you're the same status but do i still check it or do it well well, yeah you got you got to check it but see here's where their out is their out is in the oath i declare under penalty of perjury i'm this or that And then earlier in the instructions, they tell you, hey, you can file a documentation including affidavits, but if you lie, da-da-da-da-da-da, we're going to send you so deep they'll have to pump sunlight into you. See, that's the caveat. That's where they're telling you in the instructions, hey, you can volunteer out of this shooting match. But they don't tell you like that, just like they don't tell you when they ask you, are you a citizen of the United States? Are, are you related to black slaves after the Civil War receiving federal rights, federal civil rights under the scope and purview of the 14th Amendment? That's how that question ought to be phrased. See? It's all this stuff they don't tell you. That's why I keep emphasizing, learn the concepts, learn the big picture, how these things operate, and you can go in and figure this kind of stuff out. But if you're trying to face it and figure it out without understanding the concepts, man, you're going to have as much success as our community has had in the last 28 years I've been in it. And that ain't a whole lot. Except success in the standpoint that we've been able to learn from people's mistakes. So what do we learn? We learned that you don't you're not generally effective challenging jurisdictional jurisdiction at the grassroots level. Well, why not? Well, because there's layers and layers and layers of people whose pensions and futures depend on you getting squashed.
That's why. So what do you do? Well, you do what's called in military terms a flanking maneuver. You go out to the side and run around their troops, and you go back to the back where the head officers are, and you find the Secretary of State sitting around a damn campfire, sweating, sipping coffee, and you slit his throat. That's how you do it. So, anyway, we, we, listen, I don't want any of you folks to be in Chris's, Chris's situation. And you do it by learning the basics, getting your confidence up, taking action and telling somebody in a responsible position that you, you're not them, and then standing on it. But you got to have the other blocks first until you got that's what brings your confidence. Your confidence is what allows you to take action. The action you take as you go through the positive side is the next thing, next time Cody has to go up and face some kind of bureaucrat and they're going to say, are you a citizen of the United States? You go, no, I'm a U.S. national. And then you're going to find the, the bureaucrat does exactly what you wanted him to do. And you walk out and go, wow, wasn't that interesting? I think I'll go find another one. And that is the empowering side of the equation. But you can't even start it if you don't understand the basics and the concepts behind it because that's what gives you the confidence to start. That's my own personal experience. And many yeah, others that have gone through spirit. it. You know, ask Daryl. You know, we haven't seen Daryl in a few days. He'll be back at some point. Ask him. Ask Brian Howard. Ask some of these people that have been through this. And, and that seems to be, to me, the way it works. It sure feels nice to shed yourself of these monsters, I'm going to tell you. And, and you walk down the path a little ways, and you find out that your position's correct, and it's secure. And, but the funny thing is, Cody, to me, is life really doesn't change once you file it. See, your, 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 your anticipation is that everything's going to – well, not, life doesn't really change. You know, it goes on just like it was. Some of these occasions come up, and you're able to step forward and 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 tell them uh, and voice your your new position, and they do what you want them to do, and life just goes on. If it weren't important, Roger, why would adversaries steal your documents and break into your truck and and turn your stuff all over the place like a, a corrections officer uh, inspection of your premise? to sign it whenever they did it and why would they hang out outside my place it is obviously important you know i keep thinking back on the power of this and i just realized it a couple of weeks ago in the fact that everything they're confronted with they deny everything even at the presidential debate with with public knowledge out there from reliable sources and joe biden gets up there and oh that's a, that's a lie that my son took all that money they deny everything in the world except this. Except this. They don't even whimper. They just stand there mute. Do you want to see the power of what we've got? See, they know how powerful it is. It's us that don't know. You know, Roger, it's... Very interesting. You said Stan Moot. That's also being willfully blind uh, to the information that's put before them. 
And they always like to presume that you're an ignorant surf slave and they don't have to look at your stuff. However, that also actuates another important part of the law. That's U.S. versus Thiel and Horton R. Pruden, which says that basically when a material question is asked and there's an answer deserved and one presumes not to answer or takes the position to be willfully blind and not uh, respond to it, then they have actually testified tacitly to everything in that document being true. And that's an unfortunate circumstance that the opposition party in this particular situation that I'm dealing with is going to find themselves in because nearly every document I ever mailed to anybody was green carded, notarized, and affirmed under uh, affidavit uh, under 1746-1 under, under affirmation of truth and therefore, it stands as truth unrebutted. Federal evidence, 901 parenthetical well, 7. I hope that you become the Radio Ranch's Sandman. Well, me too. Okay. By the way, did you hear the Lynn Wood statement last week? When after the debate, the Trump, uh, the Biden campaign came out with a tweet where they're talking about white supremacists and they put our little guy from kenosha wisconsin on their written house kyle oh, Rittenhouse, yeah. and lynn wood lynn wood was licking his chops man his statement was so great he said i can't if you don't think i cut people to ribbons across the deposition table joe biden you're wrong <laughs> basically i'm gonna cut you to shreds on a well, that's a very interesting it. observation, Roger. Also, Christopher Ray and Chad Wolf, the head of the DHHS and the head of the FBI, Christopher Ray, <laughs> FBI, Chad Wolf, DHHS, Department of Hel uh, Homeland Security, uh, have come out with the same trap. It's tripe. It's nonsense out of the Sodomite Pedophile Liar Center, the SPLC, uh, Mo Deeds and uh, Associates down there. And these people are absolutely domestic terrorists, foreign terrorists uh, and domestic terrorists, in my estimation. And they were supposed to be ex um, excluded from providing evidence to the FBI uh, back post the MIAC report where they claimed that anybody with a Ron Paul sign or sticker uh, was obviously a domestic terrorist. And this is the exact kind of just absolute diabolical nonsense that these people are perpetrating out there. And you got ignorant people, etymologically unfounded, that have no etymologic competence in what they're saying, calling people sovereign citizens, which are oxymoronic polar opposite terms that don't agree together and therefore they are using them incompetently testifying to and they pose themselves as experts and they supposedly know what they're ex sovereign citizen experts and this is something i'm attacking head on myself there you go yeah it's a mess man if i hear one more person talk about my constitutional rights i'm uh, on i'm just going to throw up Well, those, those aren't your constitutional rights. Those are privileges posed as rights. You know that. I know that. All the rights come from God, not from a piece of paper. So anyway, we'll see. You know, just thank God that you're awake enough and aware enough and that somehow this message has crossed your path. I can't tell you how many times I've thanked God for my path crossing John and Glenn in the six months, only six months they were teaching. 
and ha- somehow I got awoke and pulled in and got into the uh, the uh, one of the seminars they did around the country in that six month period of time, and out of the twelve hundred people that followed those seminars with action and paid money and went through the uh, process there of petitioning the IRS under incorrect status filing, uh, I was the only one that took it further. And that's why we're here today, and you're part of that, wherever you are listening to this. Okay? It shouldn't have even happened. One out of 1,200 people took what John taught and took it forward. Everybody else dropped by the wayside. That should show you, you know, we're the ones that are chosen. Okay? Yeah, they know it's targeted. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they only target you for a reason. That's true. Unless you're over the target, they won't target you. That's I right. mean, this guy that and I that, that I, was a friend of mine years ago, no longer domiciled in that category we used to sit around and talk about this and we say what, what makes us so different why are we willing to sit here and listen you know we know it's the old testament because we have a love of the truth we have a craving for the truth some of you like me but the rest of the ones don't have that and what makes us so different okay and he's the one that turned to me one day and he said we're chosen and i'd never thought about it like that i'd never flipped the dialectic on that back then and it was uh, very impressionable on me. We're the ones that are chosen. Because we're the ones that are the truth seekers. And some of us that are truth seekers, there's probably a lot of other ones out there that have not stumbled on our message yet. Okay, But the ones that have have gone in, done a little bit of study, and they see it makes sense. And, and, and gradually through the, the untying of the knots in your mind process, consciousness comes to you to a point where you can get out there and operate in it. Okay? And it, do, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a while, doesn't it, Cody? It does. Okay? I mean, Cody got exposed to this almost two years ago. I remember when I was on those shows with Bennett, and I'd be on once a week, and six months into those one-a-week shows, I'm in the middle of explaining something one night, and Bennett goes, I get it! I get it! And that's what happens. If you're in the confusion stage of this, at some point, the light bulb will come on. I don't know when it is. It may be different for individuals. Don't know. But it's, it, it's not something you're going to sit down in front of and digest and have it go through your system in one setting. I can promise you that. If you, if you, if you, if you are that person, you are a rare individual. They also call it the aha experience. And you're right. You've got to chew it up, ruminate on it, uh, digest it, and contemplate it, and roll it around in your brain uh-huh. for quite a while. To figure out how to make sense out of this nonsense. That's like that ooh-ah bird. You ever heard of that ooh-ah bird, Chris? I don't think I've heard that one. It's a three-inch bird that lays a five-inch egg. Never mind. (laughs) I I was muted out, but I was laughing to myself, writing furiously. (laughs) 
I was going to mention, you know, one thing that worked good at the gun show mentioning to people is, are you tired of federal gun laws applying to you? Yeah, that's a good one. You know, the, you know that's so, very powerful. You know, so that got some people's attention. I just need to make some signs with some different catchphrases to get people to stop because, you know, the gun show, people usually want to look at guns. And I had one gun on the table, but I didn't have, you know, when it looks like you got. Uh, here's, maybe here's a, here's a way you could do, do that, Cody. Once you go print okay. off the certificate of non-citizen nationality and pull that one sentence, according to the INA, comma, all U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals. Okay? And ask them. It's on the pass, passport? Uh, no, that? no, no. It's on the certificate of non-citizen nationality at travel.state.gov. Okay. Okay. So and curiously, that, Roger. I just uh, requested compliance and put a copy of that uh, 341 section of Title Eight of the uh, Immigration Nationality Act, mandating that the Department of Justice uh, provide that certificate of non-citizen nationality you status. You don't. You and don't. So we'll see if it comes. It won't come because you're not a non-citizen national, Chris. That's an American Samoan. This is where the equivocation is. That's where they hid the several sovereign states. Correct. So you're not not only not going to get, you're not deserving of a certificate of non-citizen nationality. Unless you want to go over and try and be an American Samoan. Well, I have had some invites to that area. Well, you'll find the old state citizen down there on the beach sipping pina coladas. And getting caught in the rain. So you go and take that sentence out of that, Cody. You probably I don't know if you can put this on a sign, but if you get in a conversation with somebody, okay, you can have the document printed right there, highlight that sentence, and then the question yeah. you're setting up is this. Have they ever asked you if you were a U.S. national? Have any of you ever been asked in your entire life if you were a U.S. national? Why not? Crickets? Because the presumption set up to ask you the other one. The system is set up under fraud for you to be that. The reason it's stated in that document and the reason that document is so damned important is because they're having to tell you the truth to set up the lie. If you follow the rest of that sentence, it tells you why non-citizen nationals can't be citizens. And that's the lie. That's where they hid the old state citizenship. So they have to tell you the truth to set up telling you the lie. And that's why that's the only time in all these years I've ever seen them son of a bitches be out, absolute, outright truthful. Straightforward. So I, that's a really good approach if you understand this to the point where you can use it. 
You know, it's just being knowing the information enough where you can be adept on your feet. You know, and the the simpler you can get, and the more you can uh, present these simple equivocations. Are you a citizen of the United States? Or are you a citizen of the United States of America? That's a pretty simple question. When they use the term resident, are are they imputing a geographical or a po political definition legal to that term? So, you know, that's the way I found to be the most effective with this. Uh, Cody, I've tried every way under the book, buddy. I've been doing it a long time. Now, I didn't know as much back then. I didn't know how to do it as effectively as we understand it now because we've been able to simplify it. It all boils down to either it's all a dialectic question and there's always two choices. If you know how to boil it down to those elements, it always boils down to a dialectical choice. And there's your equivocation. That's the technique they're using. Opposite definitions on those dialectical choices. That's how they pull this off. In the legal world, they claim it's either A or B. So, you know, and it, it's, a, it's a confusing mess, and it's my honor and privilege to be able to have gotten to a, this level of understanding when we can sit here and have a platform where I can help others understand one hell of a lot quicker than the 15-plus years it took me because we don't have 15 years now. So the quicker you can get people up to speed the better we are and the more simpler you can keep it in your presentation the quicker you can achieve that anybody argue with that well you guys are really quiet today harvey that's unusual for you who else i know somebody's got something to say on there some comment some question some wonderful analysis we've never considered before come on step forward Sorry, I just had to uh, fix my so-called assault rifle. I, I had a detent fallout. Well, it may be that those implements become very important at some point down the road. Let's hope not, but it may be. Okay. Cody, is that rifle assaulting you again? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's making my life hell. Man, you no. know, I had one of those myself. It's just... Just get it near ammunition, it'd load itself and start <laughs> aiming wildly and firing. Uh, nobody's safe with those things around. I'll I don't know you. if I want to test it, but I'd sure like to test the, uh, you know, they, they want to charge you a permit fee for a short barrel rifle. I wonder if I could get away having one without... Uh, being harassed by the feds and needing that damn permit. Well, I'll tell you what you do, Cody. You go to 27 CFR. Do you know what that is? Well, I can sure look at it. That is the 27th title of the Code of Federal Regulations. Do you know who that pertains to? Is that ATF or what yep. title is that? Yep, that'd be the one. And you go right up to the front of the book there on Title 27, and you look on the first page and find their jurisdictional statement. And what do it say, Roger? Residents. What do it say? Residents. <laughs> Ooh. 
Well, I the find problem it is all persons subject to residents. So how, how do we deal with this driver's license issue? If they're going to say, "Well, you're still holding the driver's license," it's so the you're probably still a resident. How, you how know, do we deal with that? The driver's license is the stickiest of the wickets. Okay. And you're pretty fortunate, Cody, and I think somehow on how you deal with it depends on your situation personally. You live kind of out in the country, don't you? Rural, kind of. Yeah, but my problem is I also have a house in Illinois, you know, versus, you know, Illinois' got is pretty good. Which state. one? Which I, one? I keep, which... I keep my Kentucky ID because that's a better residency to have the way that the gun laws and everything are. They, they honor some of the Kentucky. Well. What you want? Let's go back to let's go back to what's happening so that everybody understands. When you file that affidavit properly, the the playing field's not tilted anymore. We're not playing merchant law where you don't know the rules. Now the playing field is level, and we've all got access to the common law, which is what why they've done this in the first place to separate you from it, because they can't beat you at it. That's why. They can't pull this off under the common law, okay? So now the playing field is leveled, and that brings into the fact that we got a player over there that wasn't able to play before. He's called common law. We couldn't play him before. Now we can play him. And so we get out there, and he's a real good player, and we want to weaponize him, don't we? So we go back to the basis of that common law, and it's called due process. Notice and the right to be heard. And you start putting people on notice that that, affidavits filed and that they no longer have that control over you now you've weaponized due process okay so so remind me so when and chris is good on this too on the, so citizen and resident they mean the same thing so if you give up your federal citizenship and you're not you're no longer a resident or as soon as you're a resident of a state then they can that's like you said, it's a sticky wicket. How do we... Okay, there's a difference. For one thing, the American Samoans aforementioned can live all over the United States and do all kinds of stuff, but they can't be citizens. What can they only be? Residents. And that puts some restrictions on them. They can't be in high levels of the military. There's certain public offices they can't run for, et cetera, et cetera. Okay? But they're residents. And therefore, the gun laws and all the rest of the stuff apply to them. But they're not citizens unless they naturalize. There's another nomenclature that's worthy of note, and that is a transient sojourner. Okay, well, let's go back to so what Cody's talking about rather than muddy the water. The resident, Cody, again, the way they're using the term comes from ambassadorial law where countries sign treaties and exchange ambassadors okay the new ambassador from the foreign country that comes to washington dc is considered to be in residence what does that mean what does it mean okay the example is if that guy let's say it's the ecuadorian ambassador and he gets caught with a kilo of cocaine in his diplomatic pouch up there at dulles airport what happens to him does he get thrown in the federal pen and charged with trafficking cocaine 
Not a thing happens. No, there is something that happens. He's sent what? back. Oh, yeah. Because the laws of the country he's from apply to him because he's in residence. Does that make sense? No. It's confusing as hell. Okay? It's meant to be confusing. So when they ask you if you're a resident of Kentucky and you say yes, what are they asking you and what are you answering? That the laws of Washington, D.C. apply to you because you're in residence and you're under the scope and verview of the 14th Amendment whether you're a citizen or not. I still recall with extreme specificity the day when I was down on my private grants of land-made patent working on the sewer discharge system and got carburetor cleaning fluid in my eye, and this little frumpy woman come up in a four-piece suit and a little satchel and wanted to know if this was a residence. <laughs> and I told her, absolutely not, and you're trespassing, and this is a private abode. And she stomped off. Now, if you go back to Vitell, Cody, and look at all the pertinent pages on residency in Vitell's Law of Nations, he doesn't call okay. it a resident. It's always identified in Vitell as a resident alien. Because, you see, that term tells you what it is. Resident alien. You're a resident, but you're an alien where you are and the laws where you came from apply to you. But what they did was they dropped the word alien and just used the standalone word resident. And I maintain if somebody wants to be diligent and go back and do an etymology search on the word resident, you're going to find where they attach the equivocal geographical definition. You know, that's where I live. You're going to find the roots of this plan because that's the key word. How do I know that? Because every country in the world wants you to be one. Yes. This is Samuel. Hey, Samuel. I go back. Good morning. Hi. Um, <clears throat> I go back to that guy who went to the state and got to the highest authority, and they said we can't issue a driver's license to a person who's not a resident. Yeah, Brian. Do we not get his paperwork and use that to our advantage? Well, we know now that they can't issue a state-issued driver's license. Now, what else do we know? We know that those laws are uniform. What does that mean? Every state has the same requirement. Yeah, so why couldn't we go to the state with our affidavit and say, you, you guys uh, lawfully cannot issue me a driver's license. What do you want to do? Well, you can go fight that battle if you want. You know, there's a couple of ways to fight this. But the one world that I think that that the one that I usually twine right the one that I try and land on Samuel is the easiest one approach wise that's just me okay and I think it's easier Ro to, Roger. yes I'm sorry we're getting a delay or something well go ahead go ahead Roger I well, I was just gonna say it well, seems I, easier I'm saying that if you put this in half Go ahead then, Samuel. Do you you talk. Yeah, how were they able to do that in Spain, Roger? Um, 
Well, because they what got I'm an international. Put it in affidavit form that this. Oh, I'm sorry. I gotta hang up. This is not working. Samuel, no, go ahead, man. It's just you're calling in instead of if we. Yeah, I think if you had the app loaded on your phone, it'd work a little bit better. So go again and talk. Did he leave? Holy smokes. For y'all out there, it's very simple to go to your app store and get the Jitsi Meet app. You load it. All you do in the search, put PPN Studio. It'll save that. So every time you want to join us, all you got to do is open that app and tap that. Even Chris has been able to accomplish this, and Chris is a little technologically challenged. But what it gives us is it gives us a lack of that problem we just experienced. It's not as acute on the digital connection as it is on the when people use the phone to connect, just the way it is. You asked a question a minute ago. How did they arrest McAfee? Yeah, in Spain for on an inter on an Interpol warrant. So they can go across the pond and get somebody for taxes. Well, hell yes. Jeez, I didn't know that. Well, you know, for a long time, this has changed. Recently, a couple other countries have joined the party, but for many years, in the first number of years that I was in this. Citizens of the United States were the only citizens in the world that were taxed on their worldwide income. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Now, if he'd done a, a uh, affidavit, they couldn't then, correct? If he'd done an affidavit, none all that'd be mute. Okay, okay. They couldn't touch him then. Okay, make not make. Well, all right, let's go back to what we were talking about a minute ago with Cody, Title Twenty Seven, the Code of Federal Regulations for the ATF. Right. Well, okay. that's yeah. okay. that's one letter. More than the key one, which is Title 26 CFR. And the reason it's key is because it's different. What makes it different? Their jurisdictional statement gives two statuses. All the other 50 titles of the Code of Federal Regulations, there's only one political statement, residence. Only in Title 26 is there two. Why? question you got me there because they had to put both statuses in the taxing area for one because they want to use it to avoid them and two because they had to put it in there got you now let me roger let me bring up a little issue okay go ahead cody issue us let me let me bring up a little issue you know, over this mask issue, I was trying to understand if there was an out there, and there's, there is kind of a good section on that. But a lot of the laws, they say, like, you know, the right to bear a gun, a gun and all that, you know, residents have that right. So that's a potential little hickey there. You know, I don't well, know. No, it's because that. that's we, who we they... Sue and... well, I don't see your point. Well, if it says that, you know, the, you can have the right to bear arms, conceal them and all that constitutionally without a permit... I think it said residence in the first part of the passage. So if you are, are claiming you're not a resident or you're just claiming you're not a resident of D.C. You're claiming you're not a resident under the scope and purview of the 14th Amendment's definition. Of just the 14th Amendment. Okay. Okay. So you could be a resident of the state. Well, no. All right. Now let's go. All right. Here's a good example. This is a good teaching example, Cody. So 
you filed an affidavit so you're no longer a resident of Kentucky or Indiana under the scope and purview of the 14th Amendment, right? Under the 14th, right. So where's your residency? Well, that's what I'm asking you. It's so confusing. In heaven, I guess, is what you said. That's before. exactly right. How did I? How do you determine that? Though is the important thing. Will you determine it because you understand that formula R plus D equals R? And if you've studied and worked with that a little bit and understand that's pretty elementary, wouldn't you agree? R plus D equals R. Is that complex? But what do we do if the laws it, are specifically referring to Kentucky residents? That's going to be a potential if you run into trouble well no it's because you're not a resident i told the secretary of state didn't he tell you mm. well what if they say you only have a right to bear guns if you're a resident of kentucky your right to keep and bear arms is a natural right under the castle doctrine by amen. the creator to guard protect and defend amen it's also now that you've got access to the bill of rights cody you didn't have that before you just thought you did yeah. Okay. Yeah. So but let's Rob go back the to the formula. Hold, hold, hold. Lessen some of those rights, right? Let's go back to the formula. I want to use this as a teaching moment. Okay. So if you go back and your residency is where you live to receive your benefits or to discharge your duties, right? That's the legal definition they're imputing in there. That's where I receive my benefits and I discharge my duties is my residence, right? Are these hard questions? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So if that's your residence and you now get your rights from God, where do you discharge your duties to? This all goes back to that person thing, rights and duties. All persons, well, all persons born or naturalized. Persons what? Persons are one that receive rights and discharge duties and owe duties. Well, that person in the 14th Amendment that fits that definition and ties to that formula is the one that's subject to the jurisdiction thereof. That person. So I'm not that person. I get my rights from God. That's to who I owe my duties. That's the person I am. But see, until you understand that formula and how it works, you'll never be able to put this together for yourself. Is it going to happen instantaneously? No. You're going to have to think about it and work with it. But this is the promise I make you, unequivocally. If you learn that and take the time to put it in your brain, they can never fool you again. Never. Because yep. that's how they're doing it. Yep. Hell of a setup. Roger. Yes. How, you back, it's Samuel? Samuel, I, Yeah, better, better yeah, connection. Yeah, try here. it again. I, yeah, uh, we had some kind of a delay. I think what I did, and this is just for everybody out there, I was listening on TuneIn, and I think I forgot to turn that off before I called in. So I think there was might have been. Uh, some screwing up in my phone uh, because of that. Could be. Could be. What was your observation, okay. Sam? Anyway, anyway, um, I'm talking about uh, if you if if you're no longer a resident and you can't get a license, you should be able to go down to DMV and ask them what the parameters for a license are. Right? Take that statutes, 
give them back an affidavit stating that you're not eligible for a license, so what do you want to do about well, hold it? Hold on. Let's and then go. at least they can put out notice. Well, let's go back and, and, and delve into this a little bit more. Cody, when you and Suzanne are driving to go and go try and sell your, your uh, thieves' oil, are you in commerce? I would guess. Yeah. So do you need a license to yeah. be in commerce? That's yes. Yes. I don't, okay. I don't agree but, necessarily because, I mean, if you've got a God-given right to make a living, I don't see how they can license a God-given right to make a living. But that's Well, it's the same way that they day, used to have to license drivers to drive on the roads that were hauling people and goods for hire because you were using the public roads. Should you just be able to use them for free and not pay anything? Hey, Roger. Yeah, Brent. Hey, this is Brian. Oh, Brian, there you are. Hey, rascal. Hey, I got a point to make on that. I just think I may have discovered something that uh, what they're actually now declaring as uh, when some, but when a living man or woman gets in what they term a vehicle uh, and they drive, or I should say they move on any road or whatever to their job. Think about this, it's much deeper unless, I think it may be unless you dispel that myth that you, the living man, unless you've declared that fictitious entity on your birth certificate, they declare that you're transporting their property. Yeah, that could be. That, very Well, I, I think the whole thing falls under your, their, you're considered to be their property really brian yep. in one way shape or form that's why i think that it, the better way and again if you live in san francisco you're not gonna be able to pull this off as easy as somebody that's living out a little bit in the country is because you're a little more in communication with your local folks and cody i think what you should do is file it locally like harvey's about to do after the show today they're in in the county Okay. Hopefully you won't get any grief at the red office, but you should then put, whether you get that done or not, you should then put the key people in the county on notice and weaponize your position. Hey, I've alerted the head guy that this is the truth. Nobody objected. And now I'm putting you on notice that all those laws that are pertain to all those other people in that capacity don't apply to me and I just and this is a supposition on my point part but I think if you lived in one of the smaller areas maybe even a larger one and you went and put the district attorney on notice that's the key guy I think the sheriff and maybe the chief of police but especially the district attorney and this is why he's the one that schedules all the cases for the judges the judge don't do his own schedule the prosecutor yeah. does. And if he's put on notice well, that those, those purported crimes cannot apply to you because you're not of that status, there's never going to be charges brought. So it seems to me that he's the key guy. And maybe even the state attorney general. You got a real good state attorney general up there in Kentucky, man. Cameron, that guy's sharp. Y'all know, y'all know who I'm talking about. After the de the Republican yep. convention, I came on and said there was some guy from Kentucky, a black guy that got on there that's about sharp as a tack, and he's come forward with all this Louisville stuff. His name is Cameron, and he's sharp as a tack. 
and he's honest. And he's doing the right thing in the grand jury up there with this Breonna Taylor crap. Yep. Seems to be. There seems to be some decent black folks in Kentucky. That's probably why it hasn't gotten totally out of hand in Louisville, maybe, like Portland and all these I'd other say, places. I'd say there's but. decent black folks all over the country, Cody. Okay, They've there just been marginalized. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, but I just say I, I know some cops down in Glasgow and all, and I always thought they were really decent. You know, so some people in these in positions, of, you know, had decent personalities. Uh, listen, one of the one of the most exciting things that's happened in the last few days for me happened Friday, and that's when Trump appointed Larry Elder and and Fitton, Tom Fitton, to the administration. And he's going to put Elder in there working with black men and boys. And he's going to put Tom Fitton in some kind of a capacity where he can review judges and yank corrupt ones. State judges? Federal judges. This is way overdue, isn't it? It, Boy, is that an understatement. Yeah, even Edward Gibbons would tell you. You know Edward Gibbons' statement, don't you, Harvey? The guy that wrote the the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. Yeah, corrupt judiciary. The first engine of tyranny is a corrupt judiciary. Yeah. Don't you have to recall federal judges? They can. They They can. Yeah, the whole the the appellate circle uh, a circuit up there in Chicago. 20, 25 years ago, Operation Greylord, I think it was called, with Sherman Skolnick. That the he was a Jew. Now Sherman Skolnick was a Jew journalist reporter who exposed all this stuff and got those people kicked out of the Seventh Circuit for corruption. Was he in a wheelchair? Yes. Yeah, I remember him. Now you talk. There's a good Jew for you. Okay. As to the the uh, the question about you can find good blacks here or there or some look you can find them everywhere just like white people and yep. when you when you find a uh, a you know for me if I find a black Christian man or woman of any social strata who has a a heart for God, who's a Christian, that is my brother. And I take more delight in that friendship than I do in my white friendships because they've been so vilified. I agree, Harvey. And and let me tell you, uh, I lived in the bush in Vietnam for a year with black Marines who were salt of the earth. Were there some bad ones? Yeah, and I had some crummy white ones, yeah. too. You know? Uh, so, oh, absolutely. You know, you all, you uh, all know, Harvey, you all know that the, let me just mention this real quick, that the, uh, the auto wedlock rate used to be a lot lower for the blacks and then until they ruined it with all the uh, socialism. That's what blacks they... have been victimized by northern white liberals, liberals yep. since this country began. Absolutely. imported as slaves by northern whites. Where was the first big slave trading port? 
Boston. Where was the first synagogue in the United States built? Boston. <laughs> nope. Boston. No, no. Where? Newport, Rhode Boston. Island. Oh, Rhode Island. Okay. Oh. Was that Some call it Rogue Island. The guy that ran it was a Jew named Lopez, one of those Sephardic Jews who changed his name out of Spain. Okay. Owned incredible amounts of slaving ships, everything else. He actually, they built that first synagogue, and George Washington went up there and went and spoke with him because he got a written invitation from him to come by the synagogue. Newport, Rhode Island, folks. That's why all that wealth's up there. Well, wait a minute. If he was still alive when Washington was alive, that then... Uh, he couldn't have been the one that started the slave trade. No, but he was the one that became the real kingpin. He was the, the godfather of it up there. Okay. But, of course, the first slaves in the United States were white. There was more. Uh, once again, there's a book out there called They Were White and They Were Slaves. It's written by Michael oh, yeah. Hoffman. It documents every bit of that. They yep. take the black slaves and they worked in the house because they cost money. It was the Irish slaves that worked out in the fields. Well, here in Tunnel Hill, Georgia, we have a railroad tunnel after which the town is named. It, uh, the and railroad I... ran from Chattanooga down to as far as Tunnel Hill. And then they had to stop the train, offload the passengers and the freight, portage it over the hill, put it back on a train on the other side, and continue down to, Atlanta. to Dalton and all the way down to Atlanta. So they dug this tunnel, which is over a quarter of a mile long, through the hill. <clears throat> and there's a plaque outside that says it was that the tunnel was dug by, by black slaves. And that is a, uh, that is a lie. It was dug by Irishmen. There were blacks working there, but they were making the brick to line the tunnel, the arch block. And no, no one in his right mind would pay a, you know, a, a, a huge sum of money for a slave and then put him in conditions where he would likely uh, suffer a, or yeah, he was was liable to suffer uh, a cave-in, be killed in a cave-in. There were so many ruffians in the streets of London that they would have people that would go through the streets and just pick up kids and go impost them and stick them on a ship to the States. Exactly. That's exactly right. And then they found it was even easier. They could take the Irishman and... Uh, you know, that's how they built the levees in uh, Louisiana, New Orleans in particular. They used Irishmen because it was a malarial and yellow fever zone. And nobody wanted to take the chance of losing a healthy slave uh, working on those levees. So they used Irishmen. They used Irishmen on the railroads. So, let, let me ask you, Harvey. So how, you know, typically you have to, belittle is not really the right word, but you have to, you know, call somebody a monkey or, you know, they're, they're less, they're subhuman. How, how did they convince people that white Irishmen were subhuman and could be enslaved like that? That's interesting. Well, the Irishmen were, for one thing, they were all identified as Irishmen by their family names very easily and their complexions. 
They had uh, that very fair complexion. They had rounded faces, not like the Scottish, uh, who had the narrow face and the straight nose. Uh, they're often red-headed, but fair-headed. Not, not frequently did they have dark brown hair. Uh, <clears throat> and, and Irishmen coming to the United States were almost always illiterate. It was against the law to teach an Irishman to read in Ireland. An Irishman could not be a witness in a court of law in Ireland. Irishmen lived in uh, hovels that were arguably as bad as slave quarters in the United States. I mean, and, Cody, you've you've seen wow. the signs the signs back then out front of businesses. Irishmen need not apply. Yeah, and yeah, I, I just didn't know why. You know, I yeah. just yeah, huh. and. Because the English thought everyone was beneath, was just dirt beneath their feet. And, yes, but, but, and but just because they didn't have a pretty looking face, they were able to use that rounded, not quite normal, good looking European features to say, hey, we're going to sub. That's interesting. They'd subjugate them just based on that, even though no, they were they, white, you know? No, no, they knew who they were. They were Irish. It was easy to find out. Uh, right. Yeah. You did, huh. They didn't have to wave a flag. And I remember one night I was in a, uh, a store in a mall and there was only one clerk and he was a black guy and there were about five customers and I was waiting patiently and, uh, and I said something to one of the other customers. Uh, I heard him say something to a friend and I said, let me ask you something. I said, are, are you, uh, are you check? And he said, no, I'm German. I said, but your features are Czech. He said, well, yeah, we were from the, the southern, you know, s southern Germany or, you know, near Czechoslovakia. So there's some of that lineage. And I said, okay. Uh, and we talked for a bit. And I was the last in line and everybody else had left. And the black guy who was... Uh, clerking running the store said how did you know he was Czech and I said well look at him I said I know we all look white to you right <laughs> and I said, it's that whiteness did you see how sharp his chin was and his nose was thin and narrow and uh, uh, and the way his you know and I described his his cheekbones and uh, I said, it's, it's not foolproof, but it's, but you can spot it. You can spot the difference between an Irishman and a Scot, uh, even though they're both redheaded. Uh, well, I'm, I, I'm German Russian and we were down in Ecuador and there was a Belarusian company. He's right. The guy was running the companies right near the Ukrainian border. And my wife like, man, you got the same features that he does. You know, I suppose that's, you know, similar region where my distant German Russian relatives. Yeah. Well, from. a friend, friend of mine who was uh, a medical doctor in Nigeria uh, came to Atlanta to speak for me uh, regarding nutritional supplements, and he wasn't practicing medicine over here in the states, and. 
I took him out to the airport the next day, and as we pulled up, we had uh, uh, cops outside put, trying to force everybody to dump and run. You know, you can't stay out here. Oh yeah, yeah. They're worried about bombs. So we pulled up, and uh, and uh, this this guy's name is Adadio, and he goes by his his. Uh, Christian name David, uh, and he Adadio Ajabadi, and and he said, "Yeah, that cop's Nigerian." I said, "Do you know him?" He said, "No." I said, "You can tell by looking at him." He said, "Oh yeah, <laughs> I know who I am. I know who he is, and and when I get out, he'll recognize that I'm I'm Nigerian yeah. too." They're usually a little better looking, Cody, not so gangly. Cody, did yeah. you hear, did you hear yeah. about the black guy that walked into the Cadillac dealer, and he was looking no. he was looking around at all the Cadillacs, you know, and the salesman saw him and he comes over there and asked him about he's looking for a new car and all that, and he says yes, and he he said, well, would you like to sit in one? He said, I'd sure love to. So he picks that Coupe Deville over there, and he opens the door and he sits in there and he's all real nicely dressed, you know. And he pulls a big, fat Cuban cigar out of the inside of his shirt pocket. And he puts it in his mouth, and the salesman's standing right there. And he says, tell me, does this make me look too much like a Jew? (laughs) (laughs) Good Uh, Sorry, I couldn't help it. <laughs> we've all got racial stereotypes. Don't we? As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, when I was a kid, we had uh, a black lady named um, uh, it wasn't Lucy. It was anyhow, anyhow. She she uh, go ahead, Harvey, and then I'll tell you guys one. <laughs> I, I was at, it was in the summertime, uh, and I forget where I've been, but I've been out, out outdoors most all the summer. And I came in one day, came Bronco, and she she looked at me. She said, "Harvey, look at you! You dark as a Jew." <laughs> hey, Harvey. Yeah. I think a sentient point that deserves to be made at this point is there's good people and bad people yes. of all yes. different colors, religions, places they come from, and that you kind of have to qualify each one on their own uh, spirit and nature that they have written on their hearts, whether they're good or evil or versus you know, just, oh, Chris, no, just I heard I heard somebody, Char, let me get this in here. I heard somebody say one time back in my heavy network days that said, the only way that you can tell what kind of a person a person is is by how they treat other people. Yeah, that's a good one. It's a good yard. You profile. But, But you look at the people that I dislike the most. Uh, the one whose actions I despise. And at least 90% of them are white. That would include Ted Kennedy, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, 
uh, Barack Obama, who was half white, um, Joe Biden, you go down the list, uh, all those senators, all, oh, man, the Pelosi's, the, you know, on and Schumer. on and on. Pardon? Yeah. Schumer. But they're right. also the bigger well, part of the population, so we have to admit that, too, you know. I think those are the Khazars. Whites are the biggest part. Look, we've lost our spiritual moorings as a country. That's what's going on. It started in the 60s when they took the prayer and Ten Commandments out of the schools and then started no, corrupting the no. society. Probably happened absolutely. before that, but that was a real line of demarcation. No, absolutely not, Roger. That was way after the real mistake. The real mistake was establishing government schools in the first place. That was a, that was a yeah. part of the... Of the platform yeah you're right about that harvey agree as as far as whites in america were concerned this country was something like 95 percent literate at the founding of of the united states yeah and there were no government schools in effect yeah robert have you ever seen a copy of that 1858 ninth grade exam that floats around the internet sometime in the 1800s. I thought that was early 1900s, like 1930, oh, It seems like the one I saw was back from the 1800s, but there's Could some be. of that floating no, around. No, I haven't seen no. If none of you have never seen some of those tests, I would challenge you to go take a ninth grade exam from the 1800s. I guarantee not, I you there ain't 3% of a college, the college population that could pass that exam today. That's probably true. Harvey, yay! Yeah, yes. you just um, let me let me clue you all up on something real important here. You mentioned that uh, Barack Obama was half white, Kennedy, all those people you mentioned. Those people are all Jewish. If you're born from Can- a mother Jew, you're considered Jewish. Yep. Barack Obama's mother was Stanley Ann Dunham from the meat pack, the, the, the armor meat packing Jewish dynasty in Kansas City. They're all Jewish, every one of them. The Kennedys are all Jewish. JFK was Jewish. His mother was Rose Kennedy. She was Jewish. We have had a Jewish president, born president, ever since Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Every one of them have been born from mother Jews. Those are actual facts if you go look for them, okay? You can't get them hardly anywhere, but they're all Jewish. The Bushes, the, the Kennedys, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the Clintons, they're all Jewish, every one of them. So look and see who the mother is, and you'll get a lot faster where you're going. And by the way, Roger... You mentioned that Newport, Rhode Island, was the biggest synagogue, the first synagogue in the United States. You are correct. Uh, yep. Which, which second biggest called the Ninth Ring? Where, where is that located? I, I lost your question. You faded out. Okay. Newport, Rhode Island, was the first um, a synagogue up there. In, in in states, but where is the second one called the B'nai, the largest B'nai Brit location? Where's that? Hell, I don't know. Well, that that's that's right, Charleston, South Carolina, on uh, the thirty third parallel. That's where I would have guessed. The London. Interesting. That's and where I would have guessed, it. actually. And and Charleston and Savannah and New Orleans were the top um, uh, slave um, entries. So. There's some more information that's 100% accurate, so you can do with it what you want to. You look at, look at the mothers. And you, are you, are you next to a highway? Are you next to a highway there, an interstate or something? 
No, that's me. Sorry about that. I'll okay. mute out for a second. Okay, Robert. But anyway, that's kind of some hidden secrets that, that are going on, and uh, um, I wanted to pass those on so it doesn't get too far down the road with with you know fogged fogged uh, information. But anyway, that's that's 100 percent accurate information right there. So I'm gonna just jump off and listen. Okay. And thanks, Harvey. Thank you. Um. Yep. A lot of stuff's been hidden. They've done a masterful job. I'll, uh, I'll liven it up a little bit. You were talking about the Irish. I seen a little news blip that appeared to be to be real, and it said uh, this three foot tall uh, Irishman pretended to be a, a leprechaun, and it was promising women the pot of gold. Tell them where the pot of gold was for sex. <laughs> Very innovative. I saw a news flash on InfoWars that the Fed is going to cease printing paper money. Well, they announced this week, the EU did, that they're launching their cryptocurrency thing. I saw that headline Sunday or Monday. They're moving. The reset's around the corner. Uh, by the way, I should say this. I was listening to a Jim Willie interview, not the one this morning, but a, one, a snippet of one yesterday. And he's getting rumors that in Europe, all the key people are meeting every, I do you say every day? Every day on this reset thing that's coming up evidently in January. And he said the figures that his people are feeding this information to him are somewhat either directly or indirectly involved with that. And they were originally, let me see if I can get this right, talking about $400 silver and $10,000 gold, and that they've recently revised that to $700 silver and $15,000 gold on the reset. It's a rumor. It's coming from Jim Willie. That's what he said. So if the bankers know this is going to happen, how come there's any silver even on the market? You know, there's you think, go find some. Yeah, you know, there's a flea market. They had some, you know. I well, mean, you a flea market. Well, gone, but, a flea market you know. and the pawn shops and those people will generally be the one of the last ones. They've always got to have a little bit of supply, and they got inventory. But the problem is, how are they getting resupplied from the from the mines through the the people that that uh you know perfect the metal and on okay and what and, do you hear like shipping these guys just don't have any access or are they claiming they well, do have access well the, the other thing is some of the key silver mines have shut down as they've re suppressed the price over all these years to keep their paper money scheme going it's made a lot of the miners in unprofitable and they've had to temporarily shut down their mines with the price spike and now that will reverse he was talking about an, an acronym called CAMP yesterday, and it stood for uh, uh, Colombia, uh, Argentina, Mexico, and Peru as the uh, countries down here that primarily produce silver and have deposits. And they're coming back into action. But when I was in Argentina, they closed one of their gold mines, a Newmont mine, up there about 100, 150 miles north of me. When the price gets suppressed, they just can't hire all those people and process it at a loss. So they just leave it in the ground. I, well, yeah, my I mean, friend, 
Listen, I got a, bucks, I, I got I've got a good friend down there that owns a bed and breakfast. He turns his his family estate into a bed and breakfast. Uh it's called Andes Lands, andeslands.com if you want to look at it on the web. And he was telling me he had an English guy that stayed with him for the weekend that had been down south in the adjacent parish of uh, a uh, uh, province Nequin and he he told my buddy he said we found a veritable mountain of silver. He said the whole damn mountain silver. And when we tried to cut a deal to to mine it with the local government, they wanted such a per, such a percentage, we just walked away. Where was that, Roger? That was down south in Nequin is the province in Argentina. Argentina is so fat with minerals, man. That's why they want it so bad. It's virtually uh, untouched. Yeah. Only something like 16% of the Andes on the Argentine side have been explored for minerals. I hear the workforce is kind of a pain in the ass down well, there, though. That's, well, it know, is. Yeah, do okay. the union stuff. Well, you know yeah. what? Here's the big problem down there and the reason all these situations exist. Nobody owns mineral rights with your land. The government owns all mineral rights. Here's a little factoid we overlooked earlier that I think is worthy of looking at at least, and that is any time the Zio-controlled U.S. or even other tyrannical, venturous countries want to take over a country, they always demonize, false label, defame, slander the intended victim. Of course. They're savages. They're, they're ignorant. They're worthless. They're useless. They're untruthful. They're untrustworthy. This is what they always do to character assassinate whoever they want to take over. It suits their agenda. Sorry about my phone, folks. I'm going to dart out here for a second. Go ahead with the show. Go ahead, Chris. Hey, Oliver. Um, I'm on the air. I'll call you back when I get off. Yes. Bob Silver. Well, silver's a really yeah, good I play. Add something for yeah, so who wants to add something? I'm sorry for the distraction. My phone's not supposed to ring during this time. Go ahead, please. Roger, I, I took the opportunity here while I was listening to you all is to look up the requirements for California for the driver's license. Of course, they're weird, but um, um, the, the pertinent ones are they want your Social Security number. Of course, if it's not yours, uh, they want fingerprints. And the other thing they really want is certified documents to establish your birth date, full name, in-state residency, <clears throat> and legal status in the U.S. Well, That's real ID. That, unless yeah, you're an illegal been, immigrant. Unless you're an illegal immigrant in California, then you don't have any of those requirements. Well, they actually give voting rights and uh, licenses to illegals now yep. in here. So, yep. but anyways, if you gave them status with the affidavit, then they're sort of you're sort of putting them on notice. Do they have a file to stick it? That's the question. Will they scan it and put it in? You know, they won't. I mean, you, Brian, are you still with us? Yes, I am. Well, well, they won't just scan it and put it in, will they? <laughs> no, well, I'm saying they your won't. affidavit. I, I missed the early part of it. What fill me in? What I heard something that basically on the non-resident driver's license. I'm kind of listening, half listening. In. 
Well, uh, my point is that if you offer them up your affidavit, they can't give you a driver's license if you're not a resident. That is true. They cannot. They can't. So yeah, they're on, they're, you put them on notice, and then if you don't renew it, I don't think they have a leg to stand on legally. It doesn't matter if you don't renew it. They'll still assume that you've once had one, so you're under that presumption. But you have to do it very specifically. you got to sever the tie. you got to go through all this with your affidavit. You have to go in and literally request one, go through a hearing. Be very careful. I did it in Idaho, and uh, obviously we could – that's a whole deeper conversation, but yes, you yeah. do. They cannot issue you a driver's license, but here's the caveat is that if they can't issue, if that for-profit corporation can't issue you a, a driver's license because you're not a resident, you're not a citizen, well, then what is the, then what else can they do? Cause they certainly can't deprive you of your right of your natural right to travel. So I, I know without a doubt that you have to contest it. And I, believe literally each and every person has to or every man and woman has to contest it and rebut the presumption challenge the state the dmv in your state put them on record that you're not this you're not that and basically paper them up and uh, yep. and because they're not going to respond they're not ever going to respond they're just going to try every trick in the book but bottom line is that someone's going to have to step up and sue the state and get this thing on yeah, see, it's just like Harvey yesterday when Harvey wanted to go file the affidavit there locally and go register to vote. And I told him last night when we were talking, I said, see, the only way we find out the answers to these questions, like we know definitive answers on the driver's license, is because Brian pressed the envelope. And he went to a lot of trouble, and it wasn't a whole lot of fun. But he pressed the envelope, and we've yeah, got the right, answer. Right. I, I could see where if, if you went to the state, uh, the head of the state uh, legal place, right, and then you went to your prosecutor, and then you went to the DMV and fortified it with those two positions, then they don't even have a place to prosecute you from. I think if you put the attorney general or the prosecutor locally on notice that it'll take care of the problem. But, again, this is just supposition from understanding the system and how it works. Roger, you had a guest on quite a long time ago, I think maybe on the other micro effect or true frequency. That's Rich Iverson from, I think it's section520.org. Right who's over in California, and one of his big cases, I know, for the Californians is People versus Sava, saying that there are no uh, uh, crimes, they're all traffic infractions, and uh, he's worthy of taking a look at for somebody looking at the he is. right to travel issue there. I'd forgotten. We hadn't talked to him in a long time. I don't know what happened to him, but he had some pretty good information on California-specific stuff, Absolutely. Samuel, and it's section 5, what was this, it was something.org. Section 520.org. Section 520.org and see if he's still got that website up, and it'll tap you into a bunch of California stuff. What does that allude to, the 520? The section of the code in California code. Oh, I think it's a California. right to travel code there in California. Section 520 is the website? Section 520.org. Got it. Thank you. Is it you got yeah, see, if it's up, there'll be good, some good info there for you, Samuel. Yeah. Chris, awesome. Maybe Chris remembers, but Ralph, Ralph Winterroot has talked about some of this voting stuff, some kind of a federal law that all yeah, these states Yeah, it's called have the uh, 1983 
uh, Motor Voter or Voter Registration Act, where the states go and compact with the state plans and consider that uh, basically the all federal offices exist throughout all the states. There are no state offices. And that's how they force you to be a resident then to vote, so potentially you can't vote then? Is that going to be... Well, actually, all their documents have these ensnaring trapped terms in there that you have to line through and initial and insert the correct word or line out if you don't agree to modify the contract. If you can't modify the contract, it's an unconscionable contract. And I've got to tell you, I just recently was in a doctor's office and I was going to have some blood work done. And I got to reading through their contract and started lining through some of the onerous terms where they said that if you let them treat you, that they could do anything they wanted to in what they deemed to be your best interest. And I lined through that because all I was looking for was somebody to refer me to somebody so I could get a blood analysis. And and they just got real uppity and they wanted me to just, uh, they weren't going to do anything with me if I was going to have to do that contract. I pointed out it was an unconscionable contract and it was not a happy experience. And I think maybe we'll end the show on that point. An unhappy right. experience. And we're going to try and alleviate those for you. Stay tuned and be Chris. back tomorrow. Harv, we're running out of time, bud. Yep. Chris, hang on after Yeah, we'll hang on here. We'll have a little social intercourse after the server's off like...